The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. Jesus could have said anything to introduce his Sermon on the Mount. The sermon he knew would last for generations. The sermon he knew that would go on to be one of the most copied and important pieces of rhetoric in world history. But as he heard the fast footfalls and the huffs of heavy breathing, as he turned and saw a crowd slowly gathering, following him up the mountainside, as he looked from one eager face to the next, he opens his mouth and says, Blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The once eager faces turn to looks of confusion as he continues, Blessed are those who mourn, and the meek, and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Nine times, nine times Jesus begins his sentence with the word blessed. And every time he does so, he is speaking about a group that his listeners wouldn't have thought were blessed. Because the public perception at the time was that the poor in spirit, the meek, those who hungered and thirsted for righteousness, they were the unfortunate ones. They were the ones who had God's displeasure. They were the sinners. Because God had said those who follow his laws would be blessed, would prosper, would triumph over their enemies. And that's why the religious leaders of the day said that they were the ones who had earned God's favor. Because they were rich, they were influential, they were powerful. And that's why these people were following Jesus. Because Jesus spoke a message that was different than any other religious leader and if anyone was going to tell them how to find favor with God, it was going to be Jesus. So who is Jesus talking about? Who does he mean when he says the word blessed? Well, as he looks out over the crowd, looking back at him aren't the rich and the powerful and the influential and the proud. Looking back at him are the poor in spirit the mourners, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who show mercy, who have a pure heart, who are peacemakers and are persecuted. Looking back at him are men and women and children who have followed him for days, a group of believers. Jesus looks at believers and calls them blessed, even though they may not look like it. With these nine blessed statements, Jesus takes the public perception of what it meant to have God's favor and flips it on its head. The very things that the crowd would have expected to be evidence of God's displeasure were actually evidence that they were God's children. In other words, who Jesus calls blessed here are what Christians can expect to be. Christians can expect to be poor in spirit when they look around a broken world. 
Christians can expect to mourn as they come face to face with death and decay, knowing that wasn't what God had planned for his people. Christians can expect to hunger and thirst for righteousness in a world where the main course is a large helping of sin that never satisfies. Christians can expect to live lives of putting others above themselves, of showing mercy, of striving to keep God's laws, of being peacemakers, and receiving persecution and insult in return. So, what do you think about Christ, Jesus' Christian itinerary? Do you think he would have, been better, would have been better off saying cursed nine times rather than blessed? There's a reason why the ancient people thought that the, the poor in spirits and the mourners and the meek, that they had God's displeasure because it's hard. Living the Christian life is hard. Jesus himself says about being a Christian, it's like carrying a cross. And that's why one of Satan's favorite tricks is to convince us to put our crosses down, to take a break, even if it's just for a little while. Because after all, sometimes you need that revenge. Sometimes they don't deserve your forgiveness. Sometimes, well, sometimes you just need to relax. Take a break. And after all, the question of how far is too far in regards to gossip, sexuality, sobriety, well, that answer is not always black and white anyway. If we find ourselves saying, I don't care when God presents us with what it means to be a Christian, let's be careful. The Bible describes a believer who decides to live like an unbeliever as a tree that doesn't bear fruit. And Jesus says there's only one thing that tree is good for. It's being cut down and thrown into the fire because it wasn't being what it was meant to be. Jesus knows. Jesus knows what the Christian life entails. He knows that it's difficult. After all, after he says, take up your cross, in the very next sentence he says, follow me. But the fact that the Christian life is difficult and it looks like a curse is the very reason why Jesus begins his sermon with blessed. When Jesus calls someone blessed, what does he mean? He doesn't mean that if we are meek or poor in spirit or mourn, then we might have blessings that come because of it in our lives. No, when Jesus says blessed, he means saved. Saved are the poor in spirit. Saved are those who mourn. They're encouragements from Jesus to live as Christians, even though it might be difficult. It's a rallying cry. So as we suffer and as we endure, as we walk through this life, Jesus calls out to us, you are blessed. You are saved. Even as you wrestle with that sin you can't shake off, you are blessed. You are saved. And that's why he can say, rejoice. 
and be glad because believers are blessed even when we don't look like it. We can rejoice and be glad because we know that these crosses won't last forever. We might be poor in spirit for now. We might mourn for now. We might be meat for now. We might hunger and thirst for righteousness for now. But when Jesus comes back, the for nows will be gone and the forevers will arrive. We will be rich in spirit forever. We will rejoice forever. We will not hunger and thirst for anything because we will be with the Lord forever. But Jesus' introduction wasn't only surprising because of what kind of people Jesus was calling blessed, people that may not have looked blessed, but the blessing that Jesus has for believers, it's promised. It's not earned. The crowd at the time that Jesus was giving his Sermon on the Mount had a religious life full of do's and don'ts. Do, give 10% of everything you own to the church. Don't take too many steps on the Sabbath day. Do fast. Don't associate with sinners. Do pray. Don't do pray. Don't forget to wash before eating. And these lists of do's and don'ts and many others like them had become a checklist for these people, a checklist to see how well they were doing, if they were earning God's favor or not. So at the end of the day, at the end of the week, if they were to look back at this checklist and see, it would leave them in one of two places. It would either convince them that they had done enough, that they had earned God's favor, and that's why their life was going so well. Or they would have found themselves in a place of despair, seeing that they hadn't kept the checklist and that God was angry with them because of it. Two sides of a very familiar coin, isn't it? What might that coin look like for us today as believers? On the one hand, there's a confidence side. We know our sins are forgiven. We know that we have been made right with God. So has it ever happened that since you are Christians, you haven't found much time to be in God's word? Since you are Christians, you don't really need to talk to other Christians about God's love and God's forgiveness because you're already in it. And why make another situation awkward by bringing up Jesus when you don't have to? Is being a Christian the theme of your life? The main thought that defines every chapter? Or is it more like a footnote that's on the bottom right corner of the page that you wouldn't notice if you weren't looking for it. And then there's the other side, the side of despair. When your world seems to be falling apart, when you don't know who to turn to, when the depression is real, the anxiety is real, the grief is real, how easy it is to say, God, what did I do to make you so angry with me? 
What can I do to make it up to you? Do you see the two sides of the same coin? The thing is, Jesus didn't give us these nine blessing statements to give us a checklist to see if we can follow them to earn his favor. He doesn't say, if you are poor in spirit, then yours is the kingdom of heaven, or if you mourn, then you will be comforted, or if you are meek, then you will inherit the earth. It's not if, then. There's a problem with checklists for us. Is God's checklist? It's pretty extensive. And he wants it done perfectly. And we can't. They couldn't keep the checklist back then, and we couldn't keep it now. There was one. There was only one who could keep God's checklist. There was only one who could be perfect. There was only one who was truly poor in spirit, who mourned, who was meek, who hungered and thirsted for righteousness, who was merciful, pure in heart, a peacemaker, and persecuted because of righteousness. The reason why Jesus can look at you and call you blessed, the reason why Jesus can look at you and call you saved, is because he's the one who made you blessed. He's the one who made you saved. This promise isn't a reward for some good deed. It's just that, a promise that God makes to you, guaranteed, because God always keeps his promises. So if God seems far away, or God seems close by, God keeps his promises. If you've fallen into that sin again, that you promised him you weren't going to fall into, God keeps his promises. If it feels like God is punishing you when you are left out of certain things, or when a loved one dies too soon, or when your purpose in life seems gone, and you've been praying to God to take you home to be with him, but for some reason you are still here, God keeps his promises. Even when it doesn't look like it, even when it doesn't feel like it, Jesus looks at you and says, you are blessed. You are saved. And that is his promise to you as believers. Amen.